0: welcome back to the lubin link a podcast by the lubin school of business where we talk to former lubin students who mastered business school and are now mastering the business world and beyond i'm sophia Peraconi, the assistant director of digital and social content for the lubin school of business and your host for today's episode of the lubin link Today we're talking to Shai Fakoya, who graduated from Lubin in 2023 with his MBA in business analytics. As a student, Shay interned with Pace's Small Business Development Center and worked closely with the Pace Entrepreneurship Studio to scale his company, Gamer. In this episode, he details his prior business experiences, his tips to fellow entrepreneurs, and why he decided to develop a platform that pays gamers around the world. Thank you so much for doing this. Really appreciate you doing this. Tell us where you're from and what your life was like before coming to the Lubin School of Business. And how did you end up here?
1: I'm from Nigeria, uh, born and raised uh, in Lagos. Uh, At the time, Lagos was the capital of Nigeria before we moved to Abuja and Today, Lagos is still the, think of Lagos as New York (laughs) for West Africa. It's it's one of the biggest economies coming out of West Africa. And my journey to before I joined or before I came to um, the School of Business uh, for my MBA, pretty much a very interesting one. Um, I started off my career as a software engineer and I worked with a couple of companies. I started some as well, mostly in the... I started a SaaS company back then that failed because I was kind of very naive in business <laughs> and um, moved to um, a charging infrastructure that I then sort of thought about using solar energy called Saja. Um, but that also failed because we ran out of money. <laughs> and then, so at the time, I was like, okay, what do I need to do? So I went into, um, started working for companies. So I worked for a couple of startups, one for Uber for motorcycles called Max, and then joined a fintech company called Ribi, who was providing loan origination infrastructure for small businesses in Nigeria. And I did some time there and then moved to Andela, uh, an engineering services company based out in New York, but they had offices um, in Africa. And so at that time I was working with, as an engineering manager, just managing over 40 software engineers, and helping them, helping high growth startups build their products and ship fast. Um, Then COVID happened. And um, so COVID was the pivot. So at the time lockdowns happened, Uh, a lot of companies were doing rounds of layoffs. I was also, I mean, as an engineering manager, I had to lay off some engineers because we wanted to be much more flexible with our revenue and sort of the cash in bank as a company. And uh, after we, after I did some layoffs, I was effectively just, so I was eventually laid off as well, because uh, they had to also start cutting on the middle management level as well. And so at the time I was then thinking about, okay, what's next? Do I, you know, go build another company or start looking, it's just sort of improve myself. And at that point I had a friend called Deborah. So we call her Debbie. And so Debbie was so of like, hey, she should go do your MBA or go do your master's program. I was like, okay. Um, I wasn't really thinking so much about it at the time. But Debbie was so very instrumental for this because she was the one that found a couple of schools, including Pace University. Wow. And she told me to, uh, she researched because interestingly, she also wanted to go for an MBA. She wanted to do a master's program. So she was doing all the research, and picked up three schools: Pace, NYU, Columbia at the time in New York City because we wanted to be, um, uh, very close to where opportunities are. There's a very diverse ecosystem, and it's kind of similar to where we where we are, Lagos. Mm-hmm. And so New York City was a no brainer. <laughs> so we, yeah. You know, so she sort of doubled down on that, and very quickly she's like, oh. She check out Pace. Pace is really very flexible and check out a business school, and that's little Lubin at the time. And I'm, well, still now. Mm-hmm. And so we checked it out. I checked it out. And interestingly, she put in the application for me. I was like, hey, what's your name? I'm like, I've submitted your application. Like,
0: <laughs> wow. Oh,
1: interesting. <laughs> and so she kind of like nudged me to sort of start pursuing that trip. And so I put in the application, I can remember, uh, she put in the application May 31st and, uh, of 2021. And uh, at the time, it was more or less around very quick, it went, things ran really quickly, you know, from processes of visas, processing all the admissions, et cetera, et cetera. And by August uh, 28th, I believe, I was in Lubin business school. So yeah. Wow,
0: okay, so thank you to Debbie for sending yeah. you our <laughs> way. <laughs> So you have quite a business background and you had one before coming to Lubin and we'll touch on your current business gamer later on. But have you always just had this sort of entrepreneurial spirit in you, like even when you were a little kid?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, that's just, that's kind of very interesting. So uh, interesting question. So for me, um, entrepreneurship, the entrepreneurship bug. Uh, I got bitten by that when I was, I think, 16, I believe, yeah, about 16, 17. Growing up as a kid, my mom used to put us, me and my two older siblings, she, she works uh, in the medical field, so she was a nurse. And so she would, um, she, with the environment we were in, she made sure that we were not, you know, sort of like influenced by the environment. And so she usually just locked us in the house and so we don't necessarily interact with the world uh well technically like we go out but we so during our period, she just puts her home say she stay here Mm -hmm. don't go out until i get back and you know at that point i was like okay we started so we usually play i usually play with my siblings and we kind of just figure out what to do so together and there's a book that i kind of like read this was this book on rich dad poor dad was um um, I think that book I can remember, if I remember very quickly, was was given to me by one of my friends, uh, who is now late, um, so rest in peace, about you know, just thinking about making money and just generally. And so, and then how do we classify that? So that book was very pivotal. So I read that book at 16 and started thinking about money differently. And sort of thinking about, okay, how do I want to shape myself? I personally was a very strong goal setter. So I usually, so at 8, 10, I started setting goals like, oh, I want to hit, I want to finish my undergrad at 16. So I finished that about, yeah, actually 16, I finished my undergrad. Wow. So, um. And then I wanted to, so at the point I wanted to like, oh, I want to be a millionaire at 21. actually became well, millionaire in Naira, so Nigerian currency I became a <laughs> millionaire by 19. So
0: wow, like, what is
1: the path to really getting there very quickly? Um, so uh, and then started thinking my first business before going into tech in particular, I, I started selling um uh, back home, we call them uh, prepaid cards, so think about, but for airtime. So uh, unlike the US where you just sort of pay your phone bills in Nigeria, you buy credits to be able to make phone calls. So I started selling those vouchers in the streets uh, of Lagos and some part and just started building a distribution network. Uh, that failed, again, just largely because of cash flow, mm-hmm. <laughs> managing cash flow. The other piece, I sold water to um, some municipalities, so some communities that didn't have access to clean water. So mm-hmm. I usually just, so I contracted some tanks, trucks, to deliver water from one point to the other point. And so I did some investment in that instead sort of ran that for a bit as well. That failed largely because of permit issues. And uh, there were other people who were like, dominant already in that space. I was like, okay, interesting. So, and then during that period, and sort of like helping me like evaluate ideas and opportunities around me. So anytime I just from after reading that book and a couple of books, but Richard Poor that was very pivotal for me. I kind of look at things in uh, from an opportunity point of view, like and then from a problem to solution point of view mindset. And so, yeah, that's kind of like how this whole journey of, you know, entrepreneurship started.
0: Wow. Incredible. And you, you mentioned all these businesses and maybe they didn't succeed, but you keep, you kept pushing on and I'm sure you continue to keep pushing on. So you, I'm guessing, and this is something big for an entrepreneur, you can't be afraid of failure, right? Kind of talk about that and how, how did you find that motivation to just keep going and going and going?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um I think failing is and, and I sort of learned failure in different ways. So just first, you know, as a human, we don't like failure. Like, and even people are around us, knowing that you're going on a crazy part, you know, they're already like, huh? I hope you don't fail. So that's the first thing they tell you, right? I, I hope yeah. you succeed. I wish you all the best. Right. I hope they kind of like label like, I don't, I hope you don't fail. So, yeah. again, that already, you know, creates a condition that, oh, my God, there's so much pressure. <laughs> so, for me, uh, one of the things that um, I've been able to hold on to, firstly, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of very spiritual as well. So, I hold on to God. I kind of pray a lot mm-hmm. and just also spend time just sort of, you know, soaking myself around, uh, that and just you know aligning my faith just to make sure that okay i'm on that part and i didn't know like oh god's got me and then just sort of also put, putting myself in that positive mindset knowing fully well like you know failing is important because that's how you learn on how to do things better and so i precondition myself that's kind of like one thing so how do i do that so sometimes even if i serve very crazy goals I kind of like okay, shoot for the stars. I mean, shoot for Mars, land is, land on the moon. So that's kind of mm-hmm. like how I really think about it. And uh, but honestly, there's sometimes where you, you come into different scenarios of your life that you would question what you're doing. So I've done I've been in those moments of my life, like, huh? Even with the new company gamer, right? We've we've come into different moments of the time on the timeline, like, huh. So are we doing something? Are we? Is there anything we're doing wrong? We don't want this to fail, etc., etc. So, but one of the lessons I learned, uh, I think this is from, oh, I can't recall his name right now. Uh, with life, lives is ebbs and flows. So things are going to go up, and so as they're going up, just prepare that it's going to go down as well. Yeah. So. That knowledge, with that um, insight, I usually just prepare for failure. So even though you don't, you don't want to fail, but you just sort of like prepare for it. And so failure, um, like I said, is in different ways. It's not failure as a person, it's just failure on are different angles to it. So there could be circumstances, it could be opportunities that, um, and it could be just sort of like converse relationships, et cetera, et cetera. So there are different touch points that could be considered failure. Uh, rather than yourself so but these solitude that I sort of then realized myself okay so far you those you see yourself as not a failure you're good.
0: Mm-hmm. It's interesting how you know we're conditioned like that but let's kind of pivot to your time here at Pace so you interned with Pace University's Small Business Development Center talk about that experience did you find that opportunity right when you came on campus and what kind of pushed you to Join that team.
1: How I got that opportunity was actually from um, someone who had worked there. Her name is Jennifer, and so Jennifer was very helpful. Shout out to her. So the first time I was going around campus, I was just going around, just you know, taking looking at everything. My first year, I didn't necessarily want to work. Yeah. With anything, I just wanted to sort of soak in knowledge and just connect with people. Um, so, I jo- at that time I joined the entrepreneurship club, mm. and my my second uh my second semester and just which was kind of moving into the second year was when I was like, okay, I think I need to start. Of begin- I need to start getting uh internship opportunities because that was also what career services was kind of also helping us. Shout out to them as well. Um. So I met Jennifer at an entrepreneurship event. Um, just so I can meet up during the entrepreneurship club. And she told me she worked at the at Pace SBDC. I At the time, I kept in conversation with her, I kept in touch with her. And, and she um, just not, notified me like, oh, this space is going to open up. So I just sort uh, like, you know, apply for it. And I went through the interview process with um, Andrew, Director Andrew Flam, and spoke with the, the, the Pace Business Advisors team. I kind of worked all through at the uh, SBDC during my period, during my time at Pace uh, for my MBA program. So my day-to-day and kind of like my experience at the Pace SBDC, I think it's been very, very helpful to understand the business landscape in New York City. And so Pace University and Pace SBDC in particular was able to provide me that avenue. So I was pretty much the uh, front facing Uh, customer, I'm sorry, like personnel that sort of received uh, what you would call um, businesses who Mm -hmm. are looking for funding, who are looking for government support, who are looking for resources to grow their business, start a business, scale their business and all that stuff. During my time, I kind of like pre-qualified and helped over 600 businesses who were looking for services to be able to uh, grow their business. And I was able to also, um, during the exposure, I was able to go out for different functions that Pace, SBDC had to be present. But overall, it was, it was really a great time for me. Um, so from just the team, you know, the cohesion, I mean, sort of like the cohesion, sort of like the frequency of our communication, the flexibility of work, um, and also like the clarity from the director. So Andrew is very clear on what he's expecting you to do. And it's great at making that very clear. So that was very helpful, uh, in terms of getting my own work done. So it was towards the uh, I think after four months into the job, I started like looking at it as a business owner as well. And like, okay, Shay, you're still going. You're building your company, right? You might as well so understand how these systems work, yeah. And so you can also adapt that to your business. And beyond that, it was just how do you then build lasting relationships? So. It is not just okay i just do my job and that's all and see you later kumbaya and singing all (laughs) that but rather how do you continuously build relationship because uh most very recently i'm beginning to learn like people are very important like when it beyond i mean the people that are going to give you money is is people's hands right right so if you're looking about making money you know to like have a relationship with the person who is able to say okay here, this is a hundred dollars. You know, so all people who have access to that money or who has the connection. So you also want to build very personal relationships such that you truly care about people's well-being. And so I've been to learn that even as a business as, as a business owner, as a startup founder, it's like relationships are very important. So yeah, yeah so and the um this, the PACE SBDC during my time taught me that because of the way we interacted with each other how we cared about our, from our family's perspective and, you know, just under the leadership of um, Andrew Flam, director Andrew Flam, he was super, you know, hands-on on on making sure everybody uh, from a mindset, from a well-being perspective is good before they get, they get their work done.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I was actually going to say, I bet interning there was a great experience for you personally as a business founder, which is the perfect segue to our next question. Let's talk about Gamer. How did you help co-found Gamer? What is it all about? Walk us through your business.
1: So Gamer is a gaming tournament platform where we connect gamers to make money playing video games. We are building Gamer uh, while I was also doing my MBSO. The idea came from my other co-founders, Eniola and Kumi. They actually at the time had a product called Tech Plus. So Tech Plus was an event uh, platform where but they used gaming as a tool to be able to engage young people. Um so they would bring um they would bring young people together to play competition to play tournaments against each other. And so they ran that for five years and COVID happened and they had to shut that business down. And so it was during the part where I was transitioning from Mandela to like, oh, do I go do my MBA or do I go join a company, etc, cetera, etc, cetera, or go build my own company. So they and, uh, and your last friend reached out to me to say, "Oh, there's this uh, friend of mine. She's looking to co-found, co-found something with a technical person because, um, like I said, my background is software engineering. And mm-hmm. uh, so, and she needed help with just understanding how they can leverage technology to make this more scalable. And so, I had a chat with her, and we looked at the opportunity together." on my own daily, my hobbies, I love playing video games already. So <laughs> that was a, that was interesting uh, conversation we had. And I wanted to also scratch my own itch as to, okay, how do I make money playing video games? And how do I also help um, hundreds of millions of people who are in the world who play video games to make money doing the same? Mm-hmm. And so it was my own childhood itch that I also wanted to scratch. And because my mom at the time bought me when I was, I think when I was 12 or 13 she bought me my first playstation <laughs> and um she also then told me like she how you gonna make money playing video games and then she <laughs> didn't my computer she bought my company like go let go go start doing something on the computer so i started doing you know drawing art you know and then that took me more into writing code so um you know just having that conversation with anila also just took me back to you know when my mom was asking me that question and I was like, huh, it'd be interesting. And then with technology investment, it was just it just it was just a good moment to start that. We looked at the ecosystem. I looked at what they already have and I did some research internally. I kind of like did, I mean, personally, it already validated that this is an opportunity um to, to actually scratch my own itch to solve my own problem for myself. And um, but then again, how many other people were there that required us that, that had that same problem? So I did a bit of research. And then go back to her and say, okay, I think this is an interesting um, opportunity. This is, this is an interesting idea, but there are different ways we can then approach it. So, but yeah, that's the origin story for Gamer.
0: I love how you have that memory of your mom asking, how are you ever going to make money playing video games? And you said, let me show you how, and you did it. So that's pretty incredible. So where do you see Gamer five years from today?
1: So at one point, gamer is currently very strong in the Nigerian ecosystem. I think so. Five years will dominate Africa, hands down that. So we are very bullish on that. And we gamer also would be in the uh, Central America market. So from North America, we would sort of start deploying our infrastructure to South to Southern American markets. So Central and South America, but we're very excited about Central America. In the Caribbean's, so we're very excited about the Caribbean's, the Central America, so and then, um, I think five years out, those are like the key, uh, goals we want to achieve. We we get a lot of inbound from uh Southeast Asia, specifically in Pakistan, India. Those are markets, but there's a lot of competition there. <laughs> yeah, this stuff there, but we want to really serve people largely that are uh of color, underserved and overlooked. So I think that's a very interesting niche that we can very we can go into those markets, build from build with them just using our expertise and infrastructure, and then just dominate. So five years gamer would dominate Africa and also sort of scale off from North America to South America.
0: What has that partnership been like between gamer and Pace Entrepreneurship Studio and was it kind of a natural partnership? I know it just started last year. So talk about that process.
1: Yeah, um, I think the Pace Entrepreneurship Studio was was very helpful because it started off right at the end of my program uh, at Pace. Um, so I heard about it um, in my first year. One of the directors at end Ventures came in to talk about it. And I was like, oh, that's pretty exciting. So hopefully, you know, we'll see how that goes. But the program didn't launch until towards the end of my so I was it was in the final year. I was in the final semester, and that was when the system, but that's when it launched. So I would say it was it was perfect timing for me because it kind of also helped me um create a pipeline to post graduation because I didn't want to go looking for a job. I wanted Mm -hmm. to just continuously build company. So it was a great uh sort of like next step for me. Um so during my time at um it's still it's still ongoing actually, uh, but in the initial days it was very, very important on how from NOFA to ARA right now has been very instrumental in just introducing us to the right people here in the in the United States because Gamer at the time was really focused on the African market,
0: mm-hmm. but
1: we, I'm already here. I'm like, how do we bring that into the US market? Right. And so the studio was super helpful in just identifying, go to markets, identifying connections, making the right introductions. So we got connected to the likes of Pink Pod, you know, to use our software to host their tournaments. Again, it's it's all it was a very interesting conversation that Ara made that made that introduction. We also raised money um during one of the pitching competitions that um the studio put together. So which is which was also super helpful to sort of continuously propel us, you know, as a company. Uh, and then um we're still in touch with the um with the studio. So Ara and I usually have biweekly conversations on updates, asks, um blockers that I may have and sort of introductions that I may require.
0: That's great to know. And it's great to hear sort of a PES in action story from you. So any students listening, current or prospective students, you know, here's a great example of what Pace Entrepreneurship Studio can do for you. I mean, like you said, you had the business sort of established, but it sounds like they kind of helped bring you to market in the US, which I'm sure is massive. What does a day in your life look like? I'm sure as an entrepreneur, as a founder, every day is different, but in general, what, what does it look like?
1: All right, so... Oof. All right, so no days, like you said, is the same, but there's definitely some similarities. Um, so um, every day, for the most part, I usually wake up 4 a.m., 30, because um, I'm having to move, work with um, our team on another time zone. So they're already way ahead of the time. <laughs> they're about seven hours ahead. Oof. So... I have to wake up to really just jump into meetings and run that to 7 a.m. my time. And so the way I'm sort of also like improving that for my own <laughs> mental <laughs> well-being is to become more asynchronous. So I do my own videos down, they go watch it and they, they have questions for me. They can chat, it, they can send. So A lot of documentation work is, is what I'm improving on as a founder so I can get my thoughts out. So rather than, you know, joining calls, I'm able to like document my ideas, write it up in very concise, straightforward. So it's easier for people to ingest and digest and go execute, right? Mm-hmm. But that is, and then, so, and then from seven, you know, just sort of do a bit of personal downtime, just sort of meditate and do some prayer. So I don't have breakfast at all. So usually there's no breakfast, so I just go out to oh. the brunch. And so just jump into meetings um, here and just sort of start writing our strategy. Um, it's just following up on what we've set out to do for the week. So usually we have like weekly goals that we have set to sort of achieve. But right now, because we're going through tech stars, there's just so many programming that is being allocated. So my calendar is like fully booked out all oh. to January. Wow. But the good thing is we still have um, some slots. So Thanksgiving is coming, Christmas is coming. So we, still have, we have some downtime, but it's kind of very chaotic right now. I love taking long walks to yeah. just sort of like ease out. So um, after uh, a couple of meetings, I just take long walks and then sort of like get the wind through my head uh, if it's not too hot and then sort of like come back and then continue working. And so in evenings, uh, I just, I'm, I have a early dinner. So between six, seven, I just have an early dinner and just sort of like, um, and then to us the night, just continuously reading through emails and making sure that you, nothing is missing. Um, and then if there are other side events that you need to attend that is sort of connecting the dots, I do that. I'm trying to add more recreational things into my life to sort of get <laughs> to that balance. Yeah, but it is tough to it's tough to allocate. But the other way I kind of do it is to to supplement that is just taking long walks and just sort of you know. You know, just de- just use that to decompress from like you know computers and just sort of looking at the screen for hours on end. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, that's important to definitely get away from the computer and to eat breakfast. I know you don't. Oh do yeah, breakfast. I totally
1: agree. <laughs> My mom is like, Shay, have you eaten breakfast? I'm like,
0: uh, yeah,
1: I know. Like, that's the number one rule. Like, eat your breakfast and everything else comes after.
0: If you have any advice to current Lubin School of Business students, whether they're interested in pursuing entrepreneurship or, you know, going down a similar route as you, what would your advi- advice be to them?
1: I mean, there's some cliche terms out there, which is just start. So I would echo, you know, just start. Uh, I think in general, nothing is going to be perfect. So which, which sort of like goes back to just start with something. Start can mean different things to different people. Start could just mean start documenting your idea. Mm-hmm. Start could mean start wireframing that. Put in, if it's an app, start drawing it out. You know, you don't need to hire someone yet. Just draw out certain things. If you don't know how to draw, you know, just sort of sketch it out. However, it's going to look like our starts could be also talking to people about your idea and see who was willing to sort of like explore that with you. The more you shouldn't regret just doing what you want to do in your mind. Just, just start it. Yeah. So even if you want to fail or you there's the irony of failure, just start.
0: I love that. That's such great advice. And that truly can apply to anything, you know, like the New York city marathon just wrapped up, you know, if you're interested in doing that next year and you've never run a day in your life, you know, just start. You know, just right. do it and like you said, be consistent. So that's phenomenal advice. Now, looking back, if you could tell yourself one thing during your first year of grad school here at Lubin, what would it be?
1: I was just reflecting, huh? Two years has passed real
0: quick. <laughs> Flies like,
1: by. <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay.
0: Hmm.
1: What would you have done differently when you from your day one? I think. I'll have started, I'll have started faster. So it goes back to (laughs) studying. So (laughs) I'll have done a lot more relationship building because at the time, my personality, I'm an ambivert. So I was leaning more to the introvert side of myself rather than to just be more out there. So I was just eh, on myself, like, I just want to carry my book, you know, (laughs) say hi to the professor and go. But, you know, dog. The missed opportunity there is you don't you didn't get yourself in a lot of people's minds. Like it, it doesn't necessarily matter the number. It's more or less around getting a memorable thing going on. So I would say I would start very quickly having those relationships um, because for me coming from Nigeria into a different ecosystem, different world um it i didn't make up for it partly with sbdc so i'm grateful for that and sort Mm -hmm. of like the intentionality around the, the people i'm with one of the things i would advise myself is really um start faster
0: And that does it for this episode of The Lubin Link. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to connect with Shay or learn more about Gamer, you can find additional information in the description of this episode. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode of The Lubin Link.